Hello everyone, welcome to the first episode of Outox, which is a new show where we cover creators in the games industry. For this first episode, we're joined by two developers uh, from Pluckit, who are making this game Staxel. It's a farming, building, voxel-based game that's uh, going to be released later this year. Hello. Hi. Hi. How are you? Uh, well, so um, let's just do this, I guess, in order of appearance. Bartway, uh, you're the lead developer, right? Yeah, I'm the lead developer, engine programmer, and company owner. Awesome. And Badger, you are the lead sound designer? Yeah, well, I'm the only sound designer. So, yeah. yeah, I do all the sound effects and stuff for Saxel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, right now, I think there's nine people on your team. Uh, so you're kind of a smallish um, indie studio. Um, how did everything get started in the first place? Like, how did, when did you decide to start making a game? Yeah, so I used to work on a game called Starbound. And, um, at a certain point, uh, it was time for me to start doing my own thing. And uh, pretty much immediately after I left uh, Chucklefish, uh, Connor contacted me, Steampunk's time, and uh, asked me to, if I was making another game, if he could help. And I said yes, and basically there it started. Mm-hmm. And when did um, you start hiring, uh, like, like Badger, for example, um, who's sound design? Um, when did more of that stuff start getting involved? So most of the people aren't hired, they're uh, contractors or um, they're independent uh, developers who work on a, on a rough share basis. So they're not employees per se. Mm -hmm. And so how have you found it um, in development of Staxel? Uh, have you just been relying on like pre-sales to mainly fund development or just um, money you had saved before how are you kind of like fueling uh the development yeah Staxel is mostly uh paid from uh, savings or at least the initial development was paid from savings uh also most of the most of the people on the team are part-time so they just have their day jobs uh to carry themselves mm -hmm. um and i earned uh enough from starbound to work on it mm -hmm. yeah and um Staxel, it's interesting because it has a lot of inspirations. You mentioned Stardew Valley, and obviously you did work for Chucklefish on Starbound. Um, and those are both, a lot, a lot of these games are like 2D style or um, top-down games. Staxel is like a full 3D voxel thing, um, almost a lot more like Minecraft. Why did you get the idea to do something like that? Uh, I really love Minecraft. Uh, I'm good friends, I think, with some of the Minecraft devs. And... Um... Yeah, I really wanted to make something technically advanced. Um, I'm an engine programmer, so <laughs> I should do what I'm good at, which is engine programming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and a lot of stacks so also, um, because of that art style, um, it seems like there's a lot of work put into not just the models, but also the sound, and I guess this is where Badger, you come in. Um, when did you, did, like, how do you go about, you know, finding the atmosphere for your game, making it immersive, like... How do you go about setting a style for it? Like, oh, I want to make it voxel style, and we're going to have sounds like these. Well, voxels was really Bart's idea from the beginning. So I know that from the start, Bart wanted to make a voxel game. The art style comes purely from Steampunkstein, the lead artist. Um, you know, he's a really super happy guy, and, and the art style is just, it's practically him as a visual representation. Um, 
and you know it it look it does it looks a lot friendlier and a lot more colorful than a lot of other games out there so really it just it started off as just make a happy game and that's where most of everything else fell into place you know visually and you know from the outside of things mm -hmm. yeah and i think that's why people get so excited about games like stardew valley and of course Daxel these days because um you know, all the a lot of these big budget AAA games, and even a lot of other indie games, are moving to this space of uh, being ultra realistic or just being full on retro. Uh, we don't really get more of those classic kind of games that are just fun, kind of like family fun. Yeah, well, I think I mean, I can speak for most of the development team when I say we all love Harvest Moon, we all love Animal Crossing. Um, it's just casual, friendly games like that. You know, games you can just sit back and not have to think too much about what's going on and just enjoy yourself yeah yeah i think that's why the indie space is so great because a few years ago we first saw the resurgence of like the platformer you know stuff like braid uh limbo mm. inside uh and now there's um you know stardew valley staxel the harvest moon style of game or animal crossing you know where you're kind of peacefully managing your own farm and just living a life it's i think it's really meshed really well with the whole minecraft or a more open world idea of game design and it's created a much more i guess modern version of that yeah i think the 3d and like open world aspects is definitely something that people expect from games now and it's nice to kind of mix those two things mm. so with staxel there's a pre-release version right uh, that people can buy and play right now what do you find are the benefits of that development model oh we've been getting so much user feedback which is great to work with um we keep getting bug reports which <laughs> means we need to write fewer bugs but it also means that we can make a much higher quality product um we see uh, currently there's a lot of games coming out on steam and that volume is making it hard for games to be discovered uh, it also means that we need to have a higher bar of quality and uh, being pre-released on our website uh for money but uh yeah, still for a lower price than we'll be on Steam. Means that we get currently about 2,500 players, which has helped us fix hundreds of issues and um, made it possible for us to start a community and tell the community how to start modding and get the feedback there to do it right and, and, and not have a situation where you launch and then realize that everything is wrong and you need to fix it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like definitely, um, like, just yesterday, I was um, talking to you about um, a sound bug, and we, uh, you were able to fix it pretty quickly. And I think there's probably a lot of those situations, I imagine, with like bugs that you probably just wouldn't have foreseen before that can much more quickly and easily be solved. I, th I think that's one of the benefits we've... That's definitely come out of not being early access on Steam. Um, the people who are buying it and playing it, have, you know, they've actively looked for us. You know, whether it be through friends, word of mouth, or just seeing it on social media. They've looked for us, they've gone to the website, you know, they've looked it up, they've made the decision to purchase it, even though, you know, we say we've, we're still early on, there's going to be bugs, and they still go for it. And those are the sort of people who are a lot more vocal about their experience, at least in terms of talking to us about the experience and telling us what's going wrong. Um messaging us on social media on the discord and stuff like that and it's just it's it's always been that nice number of players and that nice amount of feedback that we can work with and mm -hmm. and, and use to get things fixed 
Yeah, because I find Steam Early Access has a lot of problems, I think, just with because people don't really understand that divide between what makes an Early Access game and what makes a release game when it's on the same platform in that way. And I don't think, honestly, that Early Access is implemented in a very good way. Yeah, it's a, it's a good idea, but there have been some really good Early Access games. Um, and obviously, those are the games that have made loads and loads of sales so those are the games that set the expectations for early access which really you know they they shouldn't be as high as they are i guess (laughs) but um people then expect every game to work perfectly on early access and when it doesn't you get the reviews that stick around and you know that's where it's where your game can flop in my opinion at Mm -hmm. least yeah for every kerbal space program i think you have a lot of less good games or just games that have trouble getting off the ground I don't know if you know Jim Sterling. I mean, there's Ch- Total Biscuit, you know, channels like mm-hmm. that. They cover a lot of these Steam Early Access games, and it gives a lot of people a pretty bad perception um, because being good on Early Access is really the exception and not the rule. But um, another aspect of Steam that I think has done stack so well is Greenlight because you were Greenlit as a project on Steam, right? Uh, yeah, that was oh, a year and a half ago, I think. We were really lucky. Um, Notch retweeted one of our uh, announcements. So we got a lot of that interest for the project, which was uh, very nice of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And that's tremendously important, especially with the way Greenlight works. Uh, and that's interesting because I don't think Greenlight's going to be around for too much longer because now there's this uh, new system, Steam Direct, coming out. And so it'll be interesting to see how that affects future games. Um, but for now, I think Greenlight has definitely helped kickstart the Staxel community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that you said Kerbal Space Program because uh, <laughs> Kerbal Space Program also started on their own website and actually was uh, in an alpha like ours for years before it came to Steam in early access. <laughs> oh, did I say? I, I think I meant to say Space Engineers, but <laughs> oh, right, right. that is, yeah. I get those confused, but yeah, Kerbal, you're right. Kerbal was on its own website. Um, and it's interesting how many different approaches there are to that. Um, cause on steam there, there is that expectation of quality, even though sometimes it's not always realistic. Yeah. But there's so much coming out that as a developer, you cannot really afford to, uh, launch like that anymore. Mm-hmm. You need your own channels. You need your own channels and you need to yeah, make sure that people who have higher expectations of early access do not buy your product at a stage where their expectations will not be met. And there's there's a certain element of um, when when early access first started, there was a lot less on, on Steam, so I guess maybe people just had more time to spend with the project um, and watch it go along. Whereas nowadays. You know, I've noticed in the last few years at least, gamers' attention spans are a lot shorter than they used to be. So, um, you know, a lot of people now say, oh, I'm going to wait for it to come out, for the full version to come out, or for the 1.0 to come out before I get it. Or they just, you know, they play the game, they don't like it because it's buggy, and then they don't touch it again. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, it's hard. I, I totally understand it from the player's perspective. It's hard because, like an alpha project, it can be years before it actually hits. The releasable quality level and it's hard to keep interested in a project when it takes years to actually reach that point mm-hmm. yeah that that's why like the minecraft model also like minecraft kind of another thing pioneered was the you know 
doing its own, not being on Steam, but having its own kind of um, website and everything, but also building a following around that for years before it officially released. Um, and I think that's definitely, for many games, an advantage um, approach to take when you look at just how much um, cl clutter there can really be on Steam. Uh, you want to differentiate yourself any way possible. And that's also where stuff like Discord, I think, helps, because that's how you build a community. Yeah, we have a very active Discord, um, especially with the modding community, which is, which is wild. We have, I guess, a larger modding community than we have a player community right now, <laughs> which is like super, super awesome for us, because it's also the bit where we need the most communication with the community. Yeah, modders break the game, which is really what we want from people who are talking to us right now. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. I didn't think about it that way because I know modding, you know, obviously um, it's a good thing to have and you guys have taken it very seriously because, um, again, if you look at Minecraft or Skyrim, lots of games, you know, and, well, any Bethesda game, but, um, you know, lots of these games benefit a lot from modding. Like, it can not only increase the content, but, um, yeah, in many cases it has uh, influenced developers to add features and fix bugs that were in the game. And it looks like you guys are kind of doing that on a live basis. Yeah, for sure. It's 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 one of the most fun parts to watch develop, um, you know, from behind the scenes, so to speak. We're always, you know, watching the modding videos together in the, in the developers' channel. It's it's just great to see what people come out with. Mm -hmm. Bart made a point a few a few months ago is that we can't keep up content-wise. We can't keep up with what the modders are making. So it's 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 great to have them there, and it's. It's definitely, well, hopefully an indication of, you know, what's going to come in the future for us. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, have you found any challenges with modding, though? Like, either technically or just from a community standpoint, maintaining that kind of integration with the game? Um, no, not really. Uh, on that side, I, I had some experience from uh, Starbound that I could apply, so it's it's uh, yeah no not not having that many problems with it. One thing that I think really works for us is um, we've got all of the game assets available through the games directory, so it's very easy to see how we get things to work in the game just by rooting around in the in the in the files and folders. You know, it it makes it very easy for people to learn by seeing it. Mm -hmm. Rather than you know reading through a bunch of documentation and stuff, it's quite it's quite straightforward. Yeah, and we and we hired one of the uh, modders to, uh, in fact, improve the wiki for us. Mm. Yeah, and traditionally documentation is something that you know takes a lot of resources, especially for like a small indie studio. So it's nice that when you're able to have the community like take some of that load off of you. Yeah, well, I came from the community originally as well, so. Um... I think there's well, there's two people working on it that did come from the community, which you know obviously it's nice for me, but I think from 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 the project side, it's got the people that have been uh, all the way through, and um, you know they they have a more of a feel for what the game is rather than in needing someone to fill the position and just pulling them from a, a bunch of CVs. Mm -hmm. Another big aspect of Staxel's design is um, it's multiplayer first. Um, you, or you, uh, that is, you, you're going to launch with multiplayer, presumably. 
Um, whereas you look at other games like um, Stardew Valley or Don't Starve, they've um, gone single player first at launch just for simplicity's sake. Um, why do you think multiplayer is so important? Um, well, a number of reasons. Um, in part, it's, um, it's hard to add later. And uh, the earlier you add it, the lower the, the risk and the cost of adding it becomes. Um, it's also like the most requested feature for games in the genre. So um, we felt it was important to start with. Also, obviously, um, for the kind of gameplay that people have with uh, a sandbox game, you really want the multiplayer um, so that you can show what you make to your friends and get some help doing it. And the gameplay-wise is actually uh, like multiplayer. It's more single-player Witcher friends kind of thing. It's, it's not a... a um, yeah, how should you say it? Yeah, like fully... I, I, multi it, it's more like just co-op? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's basically the single-player game, but Witcher friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and how have you like balanced that? Because it, it is a very different you know, play style, interacting with NPCs and buying stuff from the market. And then showing people, you know, what you build and building your own stuff. It's almost like you're kind of maintaining two different games. How do you make those work together? Um, well, because we're doing it while we're doing it, it's, uh, it's not that hard to keep, uh, keep an eye on it. But once in a while, we do run into an issue where uh, what happens when two players both talk to the same NPC. And we do have cases where the NPCs get confused and we do need to figure some of those issues out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think it's definitely smart to have multiplayer in because, like you said, with any sort of sandbox game, it just the results are so much better with multiplayer. Like I think of, um, you know, Minecraft. I don't ever play single player Minecraft. Um, and I think it's just really beneficial to have that, the play styles and just the interaction that comes about when you let people do multiplayer. Um, when it comes to the approach you want to take to it, um. Is it just a peer-to-peer -peer thing you have now, or is it like dedicated servers? Uh, well, in the launcher, you have a button server, where if you press it, it'll start a local server. Uh, and if you give out your IP address, uh, your friends can connect to it. And we're also looking into hooking into the Steam networking API so that uh, you can join your friends through your friends list mm -hmm. on Steam. Yeah, that definitely gives an advantage to... Um... Yeah, some other the way you have to set up with other games. Sometimes the multiplayer, um, like in Minecraft's case, is kind of restricted to people who know what they're doing. Um, so it's good to I think have integration with stuff like Steam networking, um, or just let people easily spin up a local server. Yeah, like I said, there's a little wizard in the launcher which you can use to uh, start a local server. You you may need to know some things about port forwarding. But that is true for pretty much every uh, game that plays online. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, post-release, what are your plans after the game is out um, and hopefully mostly bug-free? What do you plan to do content-wise? Um, more. Honestly, I haven't. I haven't thought of it. Um, <laughs> it's. Uh, I got a to-do list of things that I wish we were able to put in the game, but we can't really due to time. So I'm sure that for for at least a couple of years to come, we'll have features keeping yeah. <laughs> keep being yeah. added. Everyone's got ideas. 
and we want to get in there. It's it's just been yeah. a case of, okay, let's just we need to have a fixed set of things that are going in the game, then we'll do the release, and then we can just put everything else in. Yeah, development is uh, we've been working on it for a long time now, and we really need to uh, focus <laughs> on finishing what we have and not really think too much about things that we can do or cannot. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's smart. You want to stay focused. Um. One of the things you haven't mentioned, the game is currently Windows only. Um, I, I'm guessing it's obviously going to be a lot of work to do, you know, to port before release. But um, after the game is released, do you have any plans to port to other platforms like consoles oh, yeah, definitely. or Linux, Mac? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, we'll definitely look into that. We definitely want to do it. Uh, currently, it's it's really a thing where there is simply no way that we can afford to do it at this stage, but if the game does well, we, we're totally going to see about bringing it to other platforms. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it seems like the game to be perfect for like playing um, on a Switch, or maybe people would just uh, like want to play it on a TV with a PlayStation or something. Um, but definitely, um, more options is good, but it makes sense that going PC only first, I think, because you want to see, you know, you want to make sure that um, you're able to do it, and that it's successful enough to justify it. Yeah, we're still like uh, an indie team with uh, with a limited budget. So, <laughs> and we've been working on it for uh, over three years now. So, yeah, <laughs> we need to reduce our ambitions a bit. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it's good that you're staying focused. Um, and I wish you guys the best of luck with launching your game. Uh, thank you so much for uh coming on. Um, any more closing thoughts? Uh, stay awesome. <laughs> will do uh, and um thank you everyone for uh listening um yeah stay awesome and um this has been the debut episode of Adox. hope you enjoyed it uh, and you can check out stack soul uh, we'll link it in the description if you're curious so yeah see you in the next one goodbye bye, bye.